Welcome to the future of email. I'm Dr. Matthew Dunn, founder and CEO of Campaign Genius. We help email platforms grow by giving their customers the power of real-time visual media in their email marketing. We believe that email is the critical civil media channel today for business and commerce. This podcast features the leading innovators in email marketing. Stick around to the end. I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on the Cutting Edge Podcast on the future of email. Let's go. Good morning. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of the future of email marketing. And my guest this morning, the other doc (laughs) in email, Dr. Ada Bartlett, cheerful data scientist for email and founder of Operations Ally. Ada, we finally get to talk. I'm so excited about this, Matthew. It's going to be amazing. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank so you. do the company intro, and then we'll, we will completely ignore that and talk about something else for a minute. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to talk all things email and the techie bits and all sorts. I want to learn more about Campaign Genius. So Operations Ally, I think you did a great job in explaining it, but um, we're interested in helping email marketing organizations make the most of their data. Yeah. So there's lots and tons of data out there in email marketing. And I think now, especially as... Apple is changing what data is collecting, the reliability of that data. It's important to look at all of your, all of the data points that you have and see if there are insights that you can gather about your, your market segmentation and then people's behaviors and how can you use their behavior to uh, improve your email marketing and improve your, your goals, your revenue. So top line question, the thing I've been curious to ask you is why email? Oh, that's such a great question. It's been such an interesting journey. And you know, it probably ties very much into why I'm curious uh, and why I'm interested in in chatting with you and and about uh, Campaign Genius. So email for me is this combination of data, really cool data stuff, but then there has this um, HTML programming coding component. I I think I am a a web designer by, how should I put this like? An interest, not my, definitely not my professional skill set, but it's something I like to moonlight in. I know a lot about HTML and CSS, so I love that component, and I love the creative component. And then it's a bit different than websites in that you have these structured sequences of activities. So there's this process piece. So in short, there's all these fascinating things happening all together in email that you can collect data on. And so I just love learning about that. So before I, I decided to dive into email. I looked at processes of all different kinds, so manufacturing processes, um, medical processes. And so I, I find process in general to be fascinating. Mm-hmm. But then the fact that I get to do it from my home, not going to lie, it's awesome. <laughs> and uh, and that it integrates creative as well as data and just all these different things I find to be really cool, technical. So so when you when 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 you go through the oftentimes consuming dance of, uh, of of finally end up with a new you know new client saying yes help us yes where, where do they tend to be in terms of leveraging and and uh, you know getting the value that's there? Yeah, I find that they are. Um, I don't want maybe this. I feel like this is the wrong word, but it's the only one that's coming to mind. But in a plateau place. So they are like, we've gotten ourselves as far as we can go. We have awesome professionals, but maybe those professionals are really great in developing or they're really great at creative. Um, and they may be creating weekly or daily, depending on their cadence and stuff reports, but they just have this feeling that there's something more um, and they don't know what to do with it um, or how to get that those insights. Um, and so they usually find me through a variety of different ways. And I get to get really excited about, oh my gosh, you have all this data that you're not using. That's typically always what happens, things that you're not looking at, um, information about your customer's behavior and the trends of that behavior that you can use to come up with. Often we have conversations about like new offerings um, or interesting um, segments uh, or um, groups of people that they can focus on, maybe sometimes segments and groups of people that they can focus a little less on, which sometimes goes over well, sometimes not so much, um, but <laughs> interesting ways for people to get in touch with their subscribers um, that they, you know, so hopefully they can sell more stuff or achieve whatever their goal is. Right. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's take the slightly technical dive for a second. Uh, yeah. When you're working with that hypothetical new client, for you to get your hands on and 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 work the cheerful magic with their data, uh, there's a pragmatic 
getting the bits from them into your oh. hands, hands, it has to be a bit of a lift and a, and a bit of a mindset change for them. Yeah. For them. Yes. Sometimes, but for the most part, the, the projects that work the best is not, is when they give me the keys. So they'll add an account and, you know, they kind of let me, let me go. Okay. <laughs> I find that to be the best option. Um, one, because I can do a bit of an audit um, and that's when people really can understand sometimes um, how their database hygiene might have gone, um, gone where there's missing data points and that happens with everyone. So it's not yeah. like there's no shaming here, but just where, Hey, this, this information exists for this, subset of your subscribers, where is it? Um, you know, sometimes automations and, and moving data from one place to another, depending on how your database is set up. Sometimes those things break and people are not aware. Yeah. So the first part is really, the way that I like it is you give me the keys and um, obviously we sign all the appropriate documents <laughs> and, uh, and then I can dive in and kind of show you where everything is and where things aren't. And then sometimes there's a cleanup process and then we go from there. I think that's the most surprising thing sometimes for, for people um, is it can take a little bit of time from like, okay, let's go to, okay, here's a nice little chart that summarizes stuff because there is that I need to understand, I need to clean it up sometimes, I need your help to clean it up sometimes, and, and that can take some time. And I'll bet every client's completely distinct right it's drifted its own direction it's not like pattern you know pattern number three and it falls into one of those buckets completely completely different what they sell how they bundle yeah. sometimes the sequence of the things that they're they're selling um their priorities also can shift um and sometimes that can really be reflected in who my main contact person is. Usually I'm working with someone in, in, in the marketing area. Sometimes the email marketers themselves, sometimes, you know, more general uh, marketing folks. And if they are new to the company themselves, that's been really eye-opening. Sometimes they have a different vision yeah. <laughs> for maybe the, pre the previous people there. Um, but yes, it can, it's very, very different. But at the same time, there are these core elements in email, right? Like you send messages, you send these emails, people open them. Well, maybe we know people maybe, open maybe them. People, we'll click. About that. <laughs> <laughs> people click. <laughs> people click. There are people buying. Um, because I'm working with more established um, organizations, like they have historical records of people purchasing. Yeah. Um, and so th those core pieces are there, but how they put those pieces together is very, very, very. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah, makes ma makes sense. And we will we will get into the measurement and the the Apple thing, but I'm determined not to just talk about that. Yeah, I want to also talk about whatever. your OI, uh, <laughs> your your OI, um, your OI blog post. I thought was fascinating. So oh, I went down a rabbit hole, and sometimes you just got to write to get it out of your head, right? Yeah. Uh, you uh, are you named for Ada Lovelace? No, actually, I'm named after my mother. <laughs> not not a um, not a technical woman at all. But yeah, for whatever reason, when I was born, my dad decided I was named after my mom. And yeah, it's really fun though. Anytime I went to programming yeah. Yeah. Um, conferences or yeah. anything, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, that definitely popped up. But no, so thank you very much for, for noticing. For and for someone listening who's going, what are they talking about? Ada Ada Lovelace is usually the short version of the name. is is historically regarded as really the first programmer. Although you could argue that Babbage, her uh, her uh, hardware counterpart, uh, was as well uh, only only uh, legitimate daughter of uh, Lord Byron. Died at thirty six. Yeah, that's bummer. Yeah. It's a whole other world we get to live in now. Brilliant mathematician and and that edge case or that 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 fun boundary between math and uh and and programming, you know, yes. the land of algorithm. Um yeah. is, is she was she was there exploring it really, really early on when it was all mechanical switches, right? Yes. And it's amazing to see from that point to, to now, like at their core, the, the concepts are the same. Like they were algorithms yeah. then, they're algorithms now. But yeah. you know what we can do and how fast we can do it. And how fast we can do it, and how, mu how much we can, you know, how much we can handle, like the capability. Yes. That now, when when you're handling a data set from a customer, we get to get a little technical here. When you're handling a data set that you've you know gotten access, signed in, yes. pulled over pulled over the the wall from a customer, do you crunch and and manage and work with that locally on cloud like? Technically speaking, where do you put the bits and bytes to learn more about them? 
That's a cool question. It, it depends. It depends on the size. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on their computing resources. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, my personal preference, just for data security and you know all that good stuff, is to do as much on their servers and their places as possible. But sometimes yeah. people just don't have that those kinds of capabilities. Yeah. Um, and then I will do that locally. But um, yeah. So if some people have their own you know cloud setup that can handle the number of computations that matters. And sometimes people are really particular about that. So people can specify, you know, like don't download anything, whatever their data sort of policies um, dictate, I, you know, will follow. And so if that's the case, sometimes you have to update and modify the algorithm to, uh, to accommodate. So it really helps. And and how, how, (laughs) I'm going to ask a tricky question. Uh Uh-oh. How, how useful are ESPs in, in what you do? And how often do you have to go outside the ESP oh. to do what you do? Wow. I think that this is a frustration. I, I'll, I'll reframe it. An opportunity in the industry. Um, because I do think that there are lots of ways that ESPs can make the data more easily accessible yeah. um, to both the end user, like in their reporting, but also to someone with a bit more technical skills like I do in terms of their API endpoints and even exporting. Um, yeah. I think that, that that can be a challenge. And I think it's a larger challenge than sometimes people anticipate in being able to get the data in the right format. Um, and sometimes it can take a lot of manual Yeah. Restructure. Restructuring just to get it in a format before you can do anything yeah. um, with it. So, so yeah, I think that that's a huge, huge opportunity. But I also feel, and one of the things I'm excited about, being in the email marketing world and how well and how warm I've been received in the email marketing world, is that people are starting to see that there are these opportunities and um, there are ways for people to, to, if it was easier to get the data, then more people could use the data. So it's yeah. definitely a important part. Yeah. Um, every ESP is so, so different. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Having, having touched a lot of them, uh, I agree that the, the focus of what does exist and for analytics and, and yes. data management tools and ESPs to yes. my mind tends to be um, sort of to, to make tomorrow a little better, not to make next week and next month a lot better. It's it, yes. you know, it's yes. like, it's the, it's the dashboard. <laughs> It's a dashboard on the car. It is definitely not the full historical uh, data dump uh, that lets you build a better car. Yes, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And sometimes it's very um, the other perspective that I find frustrating in most ESPs is it's very email. Not well, we love email, but very specific message focused. The yeah. the way that the data is structured, as opposed to subscriber focused, or so it, it can take a lot of effort to. Uh, massage the data or reorganize the data from looking at these individual messages that were sent to looking at Mary or Bob and their experience across multiple emails. Um, now, delve into that a little bit because I, 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 I've got some uh, wild and crazy long-term ideas for oh. changing just in this domain. But oh. when you say email-centric, do you mean um, ca- campaign-centric? Yes. Uh, HTML? Okay. not Because uh, yes. my read on it was that how do I put this succinctly? Uh, messages, the individual messages tend to be treated as a black box called a message. And there's almost no structure about what was in that message. Yes, that's also true. That's also true. So there's kind of two points yeah. to it. It's, it's kind of like, what? how do people interact with the message yeah. is a typical way. But yeah. what was in it, because I think there's a lot of valuable stuff in there. And, you know, how many calls to action, what, how many links, oh my goodness, how yeah. complicated it can be to figure yeah. out. To con- like to group across messages, I take a specific <laughs> URL and I take a whole set of emails. Yeah, tell me how people were clicking on this particular URL across a set of emails. That can be extremely challenging. Yeah, um, yeah. And I'll, I'll feedback this. I'll feedback and agree with you and say the same thing a different yes. way. If yes. we don't have a structured understanding of the content that was in front of X million people, how are we going to start to get better at? at changing the the actions of the next million people because at the end of the day what they see and read is what they're acting on right right they, right they right, right, right. A, they don't the end, end recipient doesn't give a toot which esp you sent it with doesn't matter to them at all they don't know they don't care <laughs> for sure for sure 100% 100% and then even one way um and let me know if this lands or not like one way beyond that is that there are a lot of people talking about artificial intelligence i've 
lots of thoughts about artificial intelligence and, you know, in general, but um, artificial intelligence and, and just this idea of being able to predictively create uh, copy or content that will work. And so in order to be able to make those decisions, to write models that can help you make those decisions in a nice way, you need to understand what was in the email and what was the purpose <laughs> of the email and, and how different emails have completely different yes. outcomes or, or objectives, right? So um, e- even if there is a link and there is a click, like depending on what you want them to do on that landing page, it, yeah. the behavior is completely different. So it, it's definitely a huge opportunity um, for the content within the email, as well as the subscribers behavior across a set of campaigns. Across a set. Yeah, no, that, that that's it. And, and this kind of dots back to operations ally mm-hmm. as a business, if you will, um, proven and kind of unarguable that emails actually the most, uh, highest ROI digital marketing channel. It's the one asset that you uh, own that you're that can't get yanked away from you by right. by a you know social media company or changing a search algorithm or something like that. Um, so re- refining and improving the game dramatically, refining improving the game that uh, of your email team would seem like a oh that's a good idea for your business. Yeah. But it it seems to me as I've gotten to know. Uh, the industry and the marketers in it that they they they, they tend to be kind of chasing resources and so mm-hmm. overworked that that they have a hard time saying no 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 this is worth investing in not just keeping alive and treating as a cash register. Yes 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 hundred percent. And I find that the the organizations that I've been able to work with the most the ones that I find coming to me are very almost, um, they were built around email. So there you people go. that, you know, um, either might be e-commerce only or um, a lot of really large um, online course platforms, people that sell online courses, online coaching, yeah. that's going to be a big industry and a lot of their revenue is driven yeah, exclusively like, through email. Yeah. So those types of people are obviously the ones that, at least for now, but I'm open to new, you know, new opportunities um, are the people that, I, that I've been working yeah, with. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. Sort of, sort of email native. Yes, yeah. email, native, email primary. Um, they're the ones that are that are recognized, and maybe because in some of those industries, people have been really burned by you know a Facebook change or a, a you know a, a, we're we're dropping some feature in social media platform, and you lose your yeah. entire following. I think in those circles, the importance of email as well as um, the importance of doing email really well, yeah, definitely ties directly to their bottom line. Yeah, I, I'm I'm actually glad you brought up the courseware niche, and you obviously must mm-hmm. have customers in there because yes. right, that's a I, I've got a I've got a course on a couple of platforms that I built years ago, and I oh. yeah I don't it I it doesn't get any TLC from me. It just kind of goes along and, and but you know a couple couple thousand couple thousand people have have taken it, so like okay, that's kind of cool, yeah. um, but. It's email that it, that keeps me in the loop of oh that's how someone promotes the bejeepers out of their course and gets more people signing up for their course and then expands that to their next course like you can see um, yes. folks who make their living as online instructors building yes. their list oh. there there is the keyword there their list and and then really starting to you know to build a relationship and subscriber value and all that other stuff yes, and like yes, yes. Know, oh this works <laughs> it does it does and that industry in general is a beautiful example of how email can be really really powerful and then also making small changes in your email sequence or in your in the process of, yeah. of sending your emails can have some really big big impacts and and taking the extra time to also segment from my experience in working in that industry it's been really some major ahas. Well, let's talk about one of my one of my favorite topics a little more, which is you. Um, <laughs> wow! You made the you made the jump. Yes. From academia. Yes. To entrepreneur. Uh, in, you know, in in a in what looks like a very different space. Talk talk there about the journey a bit. Oh wow! Yeah. So I, I would say that I'm still. I mentioned earlier. Processes is what I've studied in school. It's what I taught. It's what I, you know, it's how I look at email and the world really now. So it's very grounded in that process perspective. But it was fascinating to, you know, leave graduate school, finish, you know, PhD and start as a faculty member 
and realized that like, wow, this is great. My dad was a professor. My husband is a professor. My in-laws are professors. So I've got lots of academic. Yeah. Family traits. Yeah. <laughs> Family traits. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but then to realize, ooh, okay, this isn't for me long-term. I'm happy for them and that this has been awesome. And I was really uh, fortunate at the time when I was a faculty member to serve on the board of our regional small business center. And that was really what got my entrepreneurial uh, sort of bug going because I was meeting entrepreneurs and learning more about the world of small business and startup and those types of things and realizing that people had really lovely ideas um, and they were very passionate, but they needed some support in in systems. They needed some support in process. Like not, not, not everyone thinks in terms of processes. So I found that that was a really cool opportunity. And that's when I transitioned from academia that was my focus. So yeah. consulting um, and helping people sort of take some of the lessons that you can learn from really successful, large process oriented companies, you know, Toyotas and McDonald's yeah. and the, the Walt Disney worlds of the world. Yeah. Um, and how do you take these concepts and apply them on a very, um, on a much smaller scale. So I did that and I worked with a variety of companies and a variety of different industries. Um, and then it was more recently that I discovered, Ooh, I really like the tech stuff. And for all the reasons I mentioned earlier, I really liked email. It was just the most fun projects were the ones I got to work on email. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so that was kind of how I made this, uh, made this transition. And then I discovered that, oh, wow, there's like a whole industry of people um, that are really passionate and focused on this area. And so I jumped in with both feet. Nice community. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Lovely. Compared yeah. to, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm an engineer. I'm a proud engineer, but it's very, very different going to an engineering conference, at least in my experience, than going to an email conference. Have you been to Have you been to a live email conference? <laughs> Not a live one yet, but even the online ones are, are lovely. Uh, so, yeah, because yeah. like uh, Matthew Vernat, who I think we both know, runs a has a uh, Canadian specific yes. um, email. So it would be in your backyard. But um, I only got to two live conferences before the great interrupt of of pandemic uh, hit, but. <gasps> They're just as fun live as you would think, having done them virtual. It's just as as uh, uh, tight knit a community and mutually supportive a community as yes. you could ask for. And you're talking to a guy who loathed conf- loathed live conferences for many <laughs> many years. I actually can't wait to go to the next live email conference. Like, oh, that's gonna be so cool. <laughs> yeah. Like they're friends and they know yeah. each other. It's just yeah. really a beautiful yeah. thing. It's it's really, really, really Yeah, it's a nice thing. And you know, plug plug insert plug here for only influencers. If you're listening yeah. to this podcast and email is your thing and you're not an only influencers member, onlyinfluencers.com, go yeah. a- apply. We can't wait to meet you and see what we can do to help you. Uh, you yeah. know, insert insert email, uh <laughs> insert spirit of email here. <laughs> that uh it is a shift though from academia. Yes. To, to entrepreneur land, yes. like the 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 I I my my academia time didn't overlap with my other uh, industries plural time, <laughs> but um, that there there were points. In fact, one of the reasons I live in the town I live in is that I was when I when I left big software company, I was like, I really miss teaching. I want to go back to that. Ah. And and I do miss teaching, but uh. I I don't have the patience to be in academia, honestly. It's a completely different set of skills, a completely different set of priorities. Um, yeah, how you think about the world for sure. It's uh, it's different. It's it's valuable. Fantastic things come from academic yeah. institutions. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, absolutely. and so I'm grateful for them. But it, yeah, I, I'm I'm happy that I've made this career transition. And, uh, yeah. And do, you find, do you find Do you find the um, the difference in collegial and team work uh, mm. works better for you? Or do you, are, are there things you miss about live classroom, live colleagues, live students, committee meetings? I'm sure you miss a ton. Oh yeah. Those definitely, those are the top. No, no I don't miss those at all. <laughs> um, I feel like the, the one thing that I, if I were to make a connection, mm-hmm. the work that I do now is almost like when I was able to teach elective courses. So people are there on purpose and they've chosen to be there and they're very interested in the results and they're very engaged. I found that one of the more frustrating teaching was, you know, a great experience for me. I enjoyed it. But one of the more frustrating experiences was when 
um, it was a required course because there's that extra like, yeah, yeah, uh, like let's like let's do it. So what I love about is, is Dr. Barlow is this going to be on the final? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just want to smack them. <laughs> and I need, and I feel like I deserve these three points. That is definitely. Um, that was definitely an interesting. Now, now my, 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 I come from a family of teachers as well. And, yeah. and uh, I hear through the yes. grapevine that parents have become much more of a pain in the backside yes. in, in the last decade or so. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. okay, I wouldn't have been good at, I wouldn't have been good at that either. Like, yeah. So Tim, yeah. Mm-hmm. Timmy gets to see because Timmy did see work. Next conversation, please. Yeah. <laughs> and even at the university level where, where I, where I, taught it was I didn't have too many interactions with parents thankfully but um it definitely happens Mm. um and it's definitely uh which is to me is bizarre it's like very you're supposed to go stand on your own two feet and learn stuff bye see yeah Yeah. we'll send a check but bye see (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's I don't know it's an interesting time it's an it's a there you go succinctly puts an interesting time now water Waterloo is actually I don't know if you know how legendary Waterloo is in the software world yes oh very much aware oh yeah because I I I I spent some I spent a good almost a decade at a big software company just south of here, and we hired mm-hmm. Waterloo grads like yeah. crazy. But we hired Waterloo math grads yes. back in the nineties, not software grads. It was like, oh, interesting. It was it, the priority. The hi- hiring priority was math grads. It's like they had the they they had the high level thinking skills, right? Um, and like this language, that language, these APIs. Yeah, you you can learn exactly. That. Right. Yeah. Yes, yes, um, yes, and yes. yeah, some just some brilliant folks out of there. And Blackberry was kind of born out of yes. Waterloo uh, as well. Definitely, definitely. People here are very proud of, yeah. of that. It's uh it's it, it's interesting. So so I went to the University of Michigan, that's where I went to graduate school, and I can remember learning Don't about lose. this. The, the job, um, Dovaloo, yes, that's right. Um, uh, learning about the job opportunity and to be honest, and I guess I'll out myself, I had never heard of Waterloo. I was like, okay, let's yeah. see what happens. Um, and it was really lovely coming here and to learn of this this tradition and where um, all of the alums are. It's uh, that not too many Canadian institutions have that. Um, Brand outside uh, Canada. They, yes, have that sense of um, alumni loyalty that I think is oh. very much bred in the United States. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, there, there isn't a lot of collegiate, like there's not, there's collegiate sports here in Canada, but it's not the same level as yeah. the U.S. And I feel like that has, gives a different vibe um, to it. But Waterloo definitely has this, um, you know, protecting its own. We're going to, you know, come back and recruit no matter where in the world yeah. its alumni yeah. have, have gone. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. MIT, but colder. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I tell people do describe it. I do not think MIT describes themselves of the Waterloo of the United States, but you never know. Perhaps. <laughs> and and water, Waterloo is neither, but you're, you're, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right about, and it, it fits the lovely innate modesty of, of, <laughs> of the many Canadians I've worked with over the years, that their universities would be kind of like, you're like, oh, gosh, and not, not do that rabid loyalty thing that u.s universities do now you, you grew up in the u.s you grew up in the u.s not canada i grew up in the u.s yes yes moved to canada for this opportunity and yeah. my my husband is a faculty member we met in michigan and both yeah. moved here to be faculty members and so yeah that's been waterloo has been the catalyst for our canadian experience oh cool yeah and and ada and i have a have a, a venn diagram overlap because i'm married to a <laughs> To a proud Michigan grad, so I was required to say "Go Blue" as soon as she. Uh, that's right. That's right. That. And, and the Northwest, where I live, is is uh, the largest uh, alumni cluster of M- University of Michigan grads outside of, yeah, outside of Michigan itself. Yeah, yeah. C- Seattle area is like can't swing a dead cat without hitting a. <laughs> I do have I have friends from from Michigan that live out there, so that's interesting. That's yeah, very cool. Yeah, yeah it's uh, yeah, it's kind of, and that's also it's also a great school. Were you at Waterloo during, uh, let's call it Blackberry's uh, yeah. precipitous decline? Oh, yes. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Yes, it was. It was definitely not the 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 high years of, of Blackberry when I was here. But um, yeah, tough go. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's an Side, interesting. Sideswiped by paradigm. 
Yes. Yeah. It's interesting. But it was interesting also that people, I think Canadians in general are very loyal to yeah. um, Canadian companies. And so there's still, I think even now to this day in, in, in Kitchener Waterloo, for sure, there's still lots of people that are very fond of the organization. Well, it was, uh, you know, it was, I, I, I carried, I carried more than one uh, crackberry as we used to call <laughs> them. And I mean, we can, we can actually connect this quite directly. I oh. would argue that what made the blackberry was email Ooh, and what, what killed the blackberry was email. Ooh, I see the making. Well, talk to me more about the, the killing. Well, Blackberry's handling of black sorry the making of um for those of you who never held a blackberry in your hands it was a beautifully designed device where you could type on physical keys gosh i miss those with your <laughs> thumbs um and right. what what got the blackberry on on hips across business uh you know business world everywhere was yes. staying on top of their email for sure. It for wasn't, sure. it wasn't really texting had texting hadn't become even remotely uh, a thing you did then. I mean, and it was a hijack of uh sideband from uh cellular control towers anyway, but BlackBerry came along. You're like, I can have my email in my pocket. Where do I sign up? And so bam, everyone's <laughs> carrying those things. Yes. But if you look back at it historically, you might've done this there. The way they handled HTML email was, was kind of squidgy, awfully proprietary and, and, eh. It, it, ah. it, it was not it was not great. Um, okay. And so iPhone comes along and it puts two things in your pocket. You know, one web browser. Yes. Two. Oh, this actually looks like email. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, and a million other things. It's a Swiss Army knife device. Right. Um, and, and, and Android obviously following much the same much the same paradigm. Yeah. And, Bla and Blackberry was. Was uh, no, this is what you do. Is this thing? Maybe, maybe they stuck too much to email being the only thing. Where, mm -hmm. where Jobs, and, Jobs, and iPhone said, you know, any anything you want, someone will build an app for it. Right. Um, but yeah, and 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 I do remember that the HTML email and BlackBerry was a pain in the butt. Um, right. And it didn't look good, honestly. Plain text emails, you're like, great, no, 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 and you yeah. preferred it on a BlackBerry, but HTML. <laughs> Richer, more, you know, a little more media to the email. Not, not, a, not a super great experience. Yeah. Interesting. That would be an interesting yeah. uh, history it? piece. <laughs> but I, I'm following you. It makes perfect sense. It makes yeah. perfect sense. And so, Go ahead. For, for, and forgive me if, if I haven't listened to the episode where you've done this, but I'm super curious. You've mentioned um, your, your experience in big software companies. How did you get to email and how did you get to campaign genius? Um, <laughs> I'm curious. I will, I will, I will try to keep this brief. Um, <laughs> as I said the other day, and I, I think, I think Skip, Skip Fedora's face felt the first job I had with email in the title was 1990. So um, I was at Microsoft uh, for almost nine years, um, 80, 89 to 98. And um that was in the days of corporate land. Well, corporate lands were starting to spread. Novell Netware taking off really fast, um, and email sort of rode into companies on the back of lands, and okay. and you know personal computers obviously as well. Right. But uh, Microsoft had a surprisingly good Mac Mac email program. Interesting. They did. We they did slash we did. Yeah. And, this this really terrific Mac email program, and it was a Mac server as well as Mac client, okay. um, not Windows, right? V1 yeah. of Excel was on Mac, by the way. Um, and then Microsoft bought a company in Canada, Vancouver. Uh, I think they were called Consumer Software, who'd built a quite good and taking off like a rocket um, LAN email program for the for the PC world. Okay. Because Microsoft could see, okay, this email thing is going to go somewhere. So they bought this Canadian company. I had with uh, with with some some uh, people I worked with in the in in tech support because I started in tech support there, right? Like it's like starting like a janitor. Seriously, um, <laughs> but we'd seen the email thing starting to grow on the Mac side. We'd heard the rumors about maybe we'll acquire a PC, you know, Windows DOS. Uh, email company. So I, I'd moved into management and I said, okay, guys, here's the deal. Um, I will write 
because nobody likes writing, you know, internal documents and proposals. And those of us from academia are like, this is right? I said, I will write the why we should have an email support department separate from Excel and Word and stuff like that. I'll write it. Here's the caveat. I want to run the team. And they're like, heck yeah, great. So oh, we fixed great. it. Management was like, yeah, that makes sense. So boom, there we were with this email support team. And about two months later, the the uh, the acquisition of that Canadian company happened. Cool. Well, okay. So one one last little personal story. I was at home on a Saturday. My phone rings. Okay. Matthew Dunn. Hi, this is Mike Maples. Name doesn't mean anything to you, but senior vice president, right hand guy to Bill Gates at the time. I about Whoa. I about swallowed the phone. Yeah. <laughs> the um, I'm like, yes, sir. What can I do? For you? <laughs> The acquisition was going go all the acquisition stuff was going along with that uh, with that Vancouver company. Sure. And the the founder, husband, wife founder, she went. Oh wait a minute! No one said what's going to happen to our support team, and support was her was her baby. Ah. She was like she almost put a hold on the acquisition because no one was paying attention to their support folks. So Mike Mabels is like, "You go to Canada, okay? No problem." <laughs> <laughs> wow. up the highway to vancouver to meet to meet the really cool support team who had been ignored in all the acquisition discussion the poor guys i walked in they all looked like like they were waiting for me to come in with a sword so i i kicked out the the microsoft corporate dweeb uh who was talking to him and i said all right guys what do you know what do you want to know how do we get through this because this is not going to run without you you are in the driver's right. seat here you actually know how to make this thing work um, ah. great bunch of people, great bunch of people. So, but that was, you know, that's, that's 30 years ago, yeah, 30 years ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I was, so I was involved in email from a, from a technical perspective, really yeah. early on Microsoft in, in 89, 90 actually ran everything on a Unix based Xenix based, um, email system. We would have the, the Mac guys would have a separate kind of crappy PC just for for corporate email interesting yeah and and it was actually part of the culture this fascinated me because i could see that email was a was a medium not you know not just a not just an app um people referred to each other by their email name in in front of the at sign oh i got such and such from bill g that was the verbiage interesting and if I said Mike M, Mike Maples, oh, yeah. Mike M. Isn't that, oh, wow. isn't that fascinating? That is fascinating. It's like, this is powerful. And then you could see, the, you know, the, the email overload started a little bit early. The yeah. email overload we've all got, right? It started a little bit early in internal, in the company communications there. And you could see the patterns really early on of awful <laughs> use of email for communication versus effective use of email for communication. Like I think I taught an internal class, like, look, here's how to use this, this medium. Yeah. You know, it, it, effectively, here's how not to use it. effectively. <laughs> right. We had the problem. We had the problem of you know, the backwards thread problem. You're like, catch um, up with this, read backwards and try to make sense, read backwards in chunks and try to make sense of it. What a stupid design, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Like, oh, lucky me. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. So you're working at Microsoft. Mm -hmm. This acquisition happens. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? Oh, I bounced. I had 13 jobs uh, in nine years there. So um, I did a lot oh, of others. Wow. Yeah. It's a great learning opportunity. Amazing. And I, did, I, I did the PhD while working at Microsoft. Interesting. Um, it's not, not, not trivial, but I have a wonderful wife. Um, <laughs> so I did, I, long story short, I did a ton of other things and started doing almost a serial entrepreneur thing because I wanted to stay uh, in the town I'm in and have, uh, have my, my family be a priority, which they are. Um, Campaign Genius sort of came out of a project that we did a few years back, um, building a, a, a web-based video maker oh. um yeah it was, it was it was cool i'm like wow because i we've done a ton of video stuff and i said this video is going to start to be more and more important you can just see it coming because right. that's you know that's my field um media 
and built a web-based video maker. And then we looked at the market and said, I don't think we've got the muscle uh, as a bootstrap. I don't think we've got the marketing muscle to actually make this thing go. There were all of a sudden competitors popping up, you know, with, with VC backing behind Gosh. them. But in the course of figuring out how to make uh, how to make video sort of almost live and on the fly, yes. I, I kept doing things in email. And I'm like, why are we not doing real-time content in email? The plumbing has been there for 20 years. Right, right. Right, the plumbing has been there for 20 years. And I looked through my inbox like nothing. And right. why is email alone among digital channels so obdurately text and copy centric when everything else has gotten more and more and more visual? Great question. Very great question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wasn't satisfied with the answer. So, <laughs> so campaign genius is like, you know what? We could build this because the, you know, like the, the standards are all there. There are literally billions of email clients that are wired to do real time content already. Right. Huge, like just huge opportunity. And, and, uh, it was one of those, don't do this, it's stupid, build it, and then start figuring out where it fits in the market. I know you're supposed to go out and, and you know, you. use your input and all that other stuff. Uh, so, you know, so slay me. Um. <laughs> all right. It's okay. It's, it's working for you. I think, it, I think that that's great. But I understood the fundamental, the technical fundamentals right. that were there. And then had to, you know, we had to learn a, a ton more about the actual plumbing and wiring and stuff like that. Um Having spent a good couple or three years on building that, I have a much better beat on the impacts and the not impacts of what Apple's proposing yes. to do. Yes, yes yeah, yeah, with with, uh, with pixels. And here's my one here's my one riff of that on the the actual thing in Apple thing in relation to real time. I think email, yes, email marketers, freaking deserve this one because. They've had the capability to do more visual, more real-time, more interesting things in email for 20 years and, frankly, haven't done it. Mm. And the only thing they've used that capability for is is for their own benefit as marketers, right? The pixel to give me metrics, the pixel to give me open rates and stuff like that. Mm. The fact that Apple's move will have almost no visible impact for recipients. Yes, is kind of like, yeah, we kind of deserved that one, guys, because we didn't do anything that made that difference to them. I don't think right. anybody's going to cry. Oh, my countdown timers don't work. Um, so we And we can dispense with those. I, I think a lot of other things are actually not going to get broken based on based on the technical research we've been doing since Apple's announcement. Like, I, I don't ah. think it's actually as catastrophic as you, as you might think. I suspect um, location, lo, lo, IP-based location stuff is out. Right. Yes. Cor- correlating opens and clicks is going to be uh, different, um, but it's actually, it's like, this is starting to look like maybe 10, 12% impact in terms of our broad tool set and campaign genius. So oh. yeah, not that bad, not that Fantastic. bad. Fantastic. So there's, there's still have this, there's this, still this capability for delivering real-time content. It, you know, even if Apple did the most draconian thing that they could, and we've sort of run run the different scenarios, all right, what if right. they completely ignore all cash headers and just go one time, suck right. it up, here you go. Yes. Um, wow. Okay, rabbit hole. One of the problems with email is that the mental model is too strong. Elaborate, please. If I say mail. Yes. You know exactly how that works, right? Yes. Put a message in an envelope and it goes to someone and they open it and we're done. Right. And email implies that the same thing happens. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not actually how it works. It's mostly how it works, but it's not fully how it works. And the difference between those two things is awfully, awfully big. Okay. So when someone's thinking in terms of email email production, email marketing production, right, larger scale, like your client's. Yeah. tend to do, right? I'm I'm pretty sure that that mental model tends to assert itself unconsciously and yes. okay, well now everything's going to be in terms of real-time content pixels. Everything's yes. going to be scooped up all at once at the moment of send. Right. right? I mean, right. fair description of the mental model? Yeah, that's a fair description of like where people There is no it. one moment of send in a scaled email program. That's true. That's true. It's, it's sending it's, it takes time. 
the hundreds of thousands of millions of messages. Yeah, 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 of course. It, take, of course. it takes time. And and emails are not written in a in a scaled email program. Emails are not written, composed, assembled five minutes before they go out the door. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. Right? So, so more practically, it's, it looks more like manufacturing. Hey, operations girl. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, look, yeah. it looks more like a, like a manufacturing things. Like it, I think the average is two. Last time I read it, two weeks. I don't know what's your experience. Yeah, yeah that, that that makes that sounds great. Yeah, right. The planning awesome. stages in the oh, we're going to put this in there. and We're going to have this product and this message. Like huge amounts of time going on there. Yes. The thing about real time content that that remains it, it that remains exactly the same mechanism, even if you keep the all sent at once mental model for a minute. Yeah. Like, you can change your mind about stuff at at, at the last minute, which is oh. pretty flipping valuable <laughs> in, that, in that daisy chain of production. Yeah. It's like, it's to me, a metaphor. It's a bit like what uh, Just In Time did, brought to manufacturing. For sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Pretty flipping valuable is, I think, an understatement for... Yeah. That's why I was so excited to, to chat with you and learn more about Campaign Genius because I see huge opportunities for... Um, you know, even right now, I have a client where we we were we we were planning. We, the calendar was set in advance, a year in advance, right? And and life happens. And yeah. now the the launch that we were planning for July 9th has been moved to the nineteenth, right? And so that has lots of for, for how the system works right now in a production in this production process. Yeah, there's a lot of moving pieces that need to be go back and be fixed. Yeah, um, yeah. So the ability to be to to be able to change that on on the fly in a more um, in an easier way, I think for some people makes sense. Like it hasn't been sent yet. Like why can't we just change it? Um, and you're they're not realizing this larger production process. So I uh, I think yeah that yeah larger 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 yeah. larger production process indeed. Um, yeah. And then and then change the mental model for a second. Say yeah. this campaign is actually going to be sended intentionally. Yes. Over yes. time, yes, 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 yes. Can yes. we learn and refine, yes, fast from the initial part of the send and yes. change the value proposition? Let's call it eighty twenty, just for the sake of discussion. Sure, sure. Can we can we learn enough from the first twenty percent to maximize right. the remaining eighty percent? That's interesting. And what I find fascinating about that ability is that the the message itself doesn't need. To change, so like in the, the the work in the ESP doesn't change. Right. It's only the work with whatever is connected to this real time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can think of real time content, you know, campaign genius, movable link, or whatever else. I mean, yes. metaphor, but kind of yes. a v, kind of a VM, a virtual machine for messages. Yes. I love that. That is an extremely powerful capability. Like that, it's just. Fantastic! I think really? it's super, super cool. <laughs> I, 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 and and for me, it wasn't until like we, like we've met through these only influencers um, uh, Thursday conversations, and so I was like, oh yeah, he's fabulous. But then it was only during the festival of email demo, I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> what is this? Well, but but you just valid you just valid a very sophisticated you know user, but you just yes. validated what I said about mental models. Yes, 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 yes. Don't think that email works this way because. Mail, yeah, is such a it's quite a powerful mental model, right? Send, send, done. That's my shorthand for send, done. It's not how email works. Yeah, well, there's that part, but for me, it was more the flexibility because there are often people, um, especially. Um, how do I say this in a succinct way? But sometimes people in this there there is this larger production process that we've established. Sometimes people within the process are not fully aware of the preceding steps and the following steps from where they are. And so to give people more time to make decisions um, and to adapt and to adjust what they're, what they're doing um, is a really powerful, powerful, powerful tool. I can't tell you how many times things people, there've been panics and things have happened because the train has started leaving the station. Here I go with another analogy, but the, you know, this long process has started and someone in the middle is like, well, can we just wait or can I decide later? And it's just like, no, no. <laughs> and so there's a huge, that huge capability of um, that, that, that the technology exists to enable that efficiently, I think. Is. So even post pixel Geddon, 
mm-hmm. ability to change your mind and affect the message after sending. Yes. Yeah. After. And and I I like I'll have to use the 80-20 thing because it, it it it's it's like it's it's a it's not a bad handle on it's like to be able to change your mind after 20% of people have opened it. And maybe yeah. you start doing your statistical sampling more off of Android for the time being. Yeah. Our, our, the scenario we run that I, I'm like, this is what this is what we're going to work with, guys. Is is the most pessimistic, like no cash, no cash control, and and frankly, other inbox providers following suit with Apple. Like, let's assume mm-hmm. for the sake of discussion yeah. that everyone's going to start doing this. Like, cool, performance just went through the roof. Yay! Why local mm-hmm. device cash can't get can't get any better than that in terms of performance on open. So thanks yeah. Apple for taking my bandwidth bill. A- Apple's going to be caching 47% of the world's email content. Wow. That's not a trivial lift. Wow. Not anywhere near. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. That's exciting for them and their engineers and their, you know, yeah. That's, that's what's your, what's your sort of uh, personal first professional second reaction to that proposed move about the handling of pixels personal first personal i'm an android user <laughs> i do have that right, but you oh. but you understand the like the the privacy side yes presentation the, of it but the, the privacy side i find that um personally i feel like um i'm like how do i want to say this i feel like in sometimes the current campaign, this Apple campaign for privacy, I think in some ways is it's a feel good, like, oh, wow, yeah, everything should be private. But there's something about it. And it's probably why I loved your OI article that I'm like, oh, there's something about this that just is sort of rubbing me the wrong way. Like, it's not like, is this really to the user's benefit? Not in the hundred percent. I'm not sure. <laughs> but there's just something about, it, especially the beautiful commercials. They are fabulous. I enjoy watching all the new Apple commercials on privacy. And you're just like, yeah, and I see how it's presented in a way that for people that are not um, maybe technically educated or, or yeah. interested yeah. in the technical details yeah. of how their data yeah. is collected, like, oh, wow, that, yeah. that's exactly what I want. This is what yeah. I want. Yeah. But there's something about it that you're just like, mm-hmm. and then as I read more and more professionally, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's like really big opportunities. I'll put it that way that Apple is creating for itself. Yes, they are. In in being the holder of uh, data and the gatekeeper of its its users' data, who who tend to be very loyal. Like the Apple users that I know in my family personally um, are are extremely loyal um, to this company. So it's interesting. I'm I mean, I'm 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 actually kind of a diehard Apple guy, even though I had to become quite expert with windows um i've just i've just always found that ecosystem works for me iphone included so i find it uh uh, one it's consistent with apple's corporate dna to make Mm -hmm. this move like Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like it's made up it's like you know that that tim tim cook has always said this done this etc etc doesn't mean they're not getting credit uh, m- maybe more credit than they deserve for the move. Ben Thompson uses the term strategy credit. Uh, it's sort of when it's easy oh. for a company to do something and it, it's really great for their brand and they probably would have done it anyway, but yeah. they kind of get a halo. <laughs> they get a halo out of it. Oh, oh, I've all taken care of my privacy. <laughs> it's also one of the most deft branding shifts of digital getting up on the plateau the historically speaking getting up on on the plateau it, it i think we'll look at this in business case studies in uh you know five years ago oh wow is that smart because they're the white knight brand wise well for sure for sure. right for consumers I, you know you can you picture the scenario of someone going oh i'm gonna get my first smartphone yeah right who's got the brand association with privacy Right, 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 right. Apple, right? So really smart move, whether or not it is, you know, whether or not you're, it's meaningful privacy, whether or not, and here's a key thing, whether or not they get different permission than what they're giving everybody else. I mean, as I was working on that OI post you mentioned, yeah, I took a minute, went to apple.com, 
you know, ran, ran the, the, the toolbar plugin that says what's running on this site. I'm like, oh, look, a bunch of tracking pixels on your website. <laughs> you think the lady doth protest too much or something like that. So yes. it's not just as simple as you're making it out to be. But frankly, most consumers don't care. No, no, no. What do you think? How's email? Let's assume like a relatively pessimistic scenario. Oh, no more open rates and so on. What's going to happen to marketing decision processes? What's going to happen to deliverability? Visibility? Oh, What's going to happen to send time optimization? Like, what do you uh, think so far? I, 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 wow. Okay. Well, I feel like what, what, what I wish is that people can refocus our energies and our efforts on um, those moments of conversion. Um, and refocusing our, our efforts on um, optimizing the parts of the process that will actually, um, uh, how do I want to say this? But the parts of the process that actually are closer to the conversion point. I think that sometimes optimization is, is great. Um, as, as an idea, I'm all for optimization. My PhD was all about optimization. I'm all, I'm all for that. I feel that there are other parts of the process that we can put our efforts in and inc and increase the overall um, effectiveness of the process. Does that make any sense at all? Mm -hmm. So I, I'm curious if where the bottleneck truly is in the system, because yeah. only when you optimize yeah. the bottleneck will yeah. you actually achieve, um, or can you achieve an even larger and a larger lift and a larger benefit? And so I think that this challenge, this 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 opportunity that, that this shift is, is bringing us is making us all go back and think, huh, well, do, what did I really need from the opens? I don't live and work a lot in the newsletter world, so I understand how for them it might be um, particularly stressful. Uh, but I feel like even there, there are probably other options that they can look at and, and list size and other things. Um, but for where I, where I um, live and, and work mostly, it's all revenue and sales. And there are so many more steps after an open that has to occur um, that we can look at and that we're still going to be able to collect information. I think the other thing that's really going to be powerful, and this one happened too, Google delayed their third party uh, pixel, uh, their, their third party cookie stuff that they were looking at. But I think that this is an interesting opportunity to see what first party data we can collect. Um, I find that at least again, in, in, the, in the world that I'm living in um, and the clients that I have, people are pretty happy to share information um, as long as you can say how it's relevant to the service that you're providing. Um, and so there's a lot of first party stuff that we can collect and then use um, to make decisions. So that's. Uh, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. I, I agree with everything you said. Very and, and, and good insights. I, I, I honestly hope people are people with some high skilled uh, email marketing programs are listening. You know, so call Ada operations desk. Seriously. <laughs> um, there's a big opportunity, I yes. would argue, for email, the the email piece of the marketing spectrum inside yes. companies in 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 dealing with the shift that that we're branding with Apple and Pixel for now. Mm -hmm. if, if, if email if the email department called themselves the first party marketing department instead of the email department, ooh, that would be interesting. It's actually probably a better label. It probably is when you put it that way. Yeah. And, and if you think in terms of, it, 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 uh, I studied categories a good bit when I was working on my dissertation <laughs> for yes. some reason. Category labels tell a lot. And email marketing is the, the label is the technology of the channel. Yeah. Which tells yeah. you it's a bit immature. Mm. Right. That's interesting. I would like you to write a blog post about that. What would so a more sophisticated, a more sophisticated category or label is speaking more to well, if, you, if you think about it, your, your email marketing department. And I am totally making this up as I go along. Email marketing. <laughs> <laughs> email good stuff comes out then, yeah. Right, <laughs> so the good stuff comes out. Email marketing says my, you know, the focus of this work is the technical channel itself. Yes. And then you go, oh, but they're email recipients, or that's my list. Okay, good way to lump them together and define them in terms of their relationship to the technology. They're on your list. If you said, it's my first party marketing department, 
Then you go, oh, so you guys handle email, yeah. texting, yeah, oh, personalization of the website. That should fall under you as well. Ah, oh, yeah, it's a really different department. Why? Oh. And it's defined in relation to. It's defined in terms of the relationship to that other party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Right, yeah, not in terms of the technical channel. And what a powerful thing it would be to be able to coordinate SMS, email, and mm-hmm. website personalization. I feel like that's a, a frustration point for lots of organizations because they are these siloed, really crucial transfer points of and, information and, and, and experience. Siloed in terms of typically, siloed in terms of. Our label is our technical definition, right? I, I I was a CIO for X number of years, and 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 like you see the same you see the same meta pattern going yeah. on. Just looking at the labels, the category yeah. structure will actually sometimes tell you about the maturity. Of the thing, I love that, right? Um, so if you're the first party, if you're the first party marketing department, when you go and say we need the data about sales. It's a very different argument about how, how important that is. Yeah. It's not the email guys need. It's like, no, <laughs> this is the first party the first, yeah. relationship. And for, maybe there's a better name than first party, but you know, the relationship marketing, like there's, there's, there's yeah, a different yeah, yeah. category, but a category defined in terms of that other party, not in terms of the technical channel to the party. Yeah. Net, net, my understanding, uh, every email mark marketer I know is, oh, you know, overworked, undergunned. Yes. Um, and if, if frankly, n- they don't get the priority, the organizational priority that their ROI merits. Yeah. But trying to win that argument by talking about email marketing be important. We've had twenty years to do that. And nobody seems to have made big strides at it. So maybe we've got to redefine the thing a bit. Yeah, that's true. As, as someone whose degrees are in a field called industrial engineering, I hear you on that. <laughs> that marketing, like the language versus the the impact. So yeah, I know. I think it's very powerful. So here's a, here's a wrap up because uh, I've already monopolized an hour of your time, which has been awesome fun. I can't wait for us to hang out together at a conference over a beer. Yeah, no, this has been fantastic. Um, how do you find, to, talk about the, the, cultural and and sort of stylistic differences between working with marketers where you were working with more engineers before? Oh, yeah. Well, I find that the, the first thing, and actually I really love it, is language. And it was funny, my husband and I are starting to plan a home renovation. And so we're, we're sending out, um, you know, contracts and looking for contractors and stuff. And that's really the distinction that I've learned how our careers have gone in different paths, because the words that he would use or how he would lay out the message to look for the, the, the bid or the contract is just completely different <laughs> than how I would describe it. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've over the years, I found to use the, the least technical, the, the, the most accessible words possible and how I design uh, I'm definitely not a copywriter, but how I how I design the look of the the text um, instead of one long block of text, there's lots of bullet points and how it's very scannable and things. Um, so I think that that um, is one big distinction. Um, how people communicate amongst themselves, the words that they choose, how they structure it, um, the emphasis of how how things look, I think is really important. Um, the other big focus. It's a bit different. I think this would be more of academia compared to where I am now in marketing is um, optimal versus incrementally better. (laughs) I find that in academia, especially where I've come from it, everything you were looking for, it was optimal. You were always looking for the optimal solution um, and and this provably optimal solution. Um, and now where I, where I work and I live is, you know, if this year can be better than last year and yeah. then the next year can be better than that. If this campaign uh, can be better than that campaign, right? Exactly. If this campaign can be better, this week can be better. So it's much more of an incremental, incremental improvement. Um, and maybe the time that was invested, heck, it took me five years to do my degree to optimize production planning, scheduling, right? Um, so 
if you can get something a little bit better in two weeks, then that has a lot more value than waiting yeah. for the optimal solution in, in five years. So, well, to be fair, to be fair to education, the, the, the measure of its effectiveness comes about 20 years later. So it's a bit of sure. a bit of for a sure. It's a different thing. <laughs> yeah. But to compare and contract at the, at, the, at, yeah. The, yeah. at the high levels, those, yeah. those are big distinctions. Oh, fascinating. What, what your husband teaches what? He's in the same discipline. So he, he teaches, so we met in, in engineering school. He teaches um, uh, about decision support systems. He teaches about like mathematical modeling, algorithms, optimization, that kind of stuff. So, oh, wow. Yeah, the home remodel is going to be a darn interesting process. There's going to be many, many spreadsheets. <laughs> oh, yes, there you go. But, but I'm sure the project, unlike most remodel projects, will probably run on time. Yeah, and, and definitely budget. I feel like that's one of our it's one of our claims to fame for our wedding is that you know on time and on budget. We, made we, did, it all two, we did two ma- major remodels of our house, and the first project was on time and on budget. Nice. And the second one was a cluster. Um, the first one was like a year of planning. Yeah. And the second one was oh crap, we got to do this, but little kids, dogs, you know, all that other <sighs> stuff. So, uh, so it's like, if you're doing a home remodel, the more st- time you spend planning, the better the things going to go. The other thing was, I, I, I was working on site in this office during the first one. Oh, and then I was doing a corporate job in the second one. Okay. And that, that like right there, uh, hey, do you want the thing to be blue? Like, no, we picked the paints. Like, yes. the bucket, put that paint on, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Equals. You know, more days, fewer days on the schedule. <laughs> for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Those are those are interesting lessons that I think can apply in lots yeah. of different ways in yeah. terms of investing time and you know staying on top of the the job and uh, paying stuff. attention to being close to it is really valuable insights. Well, Ada, yes. How much fun was this? This is a ton of fun, Matthew. I hope to come back another oh, yeah. time. Or, yeah, for um, sure. We'll, and we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have converse at a live conference and and uh, probably multiple Zoom calls uh, yes. before then. You guys are still f- a bit locked down in Ontario. We pandemic. are a bit further yeah. behind, but the you know vaccines are rolling out. Yeah. The process is, is unfurling and um, the border should be open officially uh, sometime in July. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, ho- I hope so. I mean, I, I literally see Canada from, from my office window. Like, oh. no I, I see peaks in Canada right through that window. Wow, wow. But it's had a real, it's had a real dampening effect on where I live to have the border Close. Um, shut. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, no, we don't like that. So, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get through this thing. Well, yeah. my, my delightful guest today has been Dr. Ada Barlett, the yes. cheerful data scientist and founder. Uh, at Operations Ally. Ada, Thank thanks so much for the time and the, uh, the insights. Thank you. This is a pleasure. Hi, Dr. Matthew Dunn here. Thank you so much for listening to the future of email. If you're an email industry exec or marketer and you're interested in being a guest, please apply at campaigngenius.io slash future of email. If this interview was useful for you, please consider sharing it. Grab a screenshot and post it and text it. And of course, email it to your friends. If you know someone who you think would be a good guest, tag them in your post and include the hashtag future of email. I really appreciate seeing guest suggestions. It helps us a ton to keep the show interesting. We do put out new episodes and new content fairly regularly. To keep up, I would suggest subscribing. Your sharing, your rating, your reviews are the key to promoting to the show, and they mean a ton to me and to the team here. If you want to know more, go to our website, campaigngenius.io slash future of email, or follow me on LinkedIn. Search for Dr. Matthew Dunn. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.